Thanks for stopping by this fantasy podcast from Third Flatiron Publishing in Boulder, Colorado. Today we're presenting the short story, Blade Between Oni and Hare, by Shabon Gallagher. Shabon currently lives in South Texas and grew up in Arizona. She has a political satire piece coming up in Saturday Night Reader, and in December there will be a podcast of her unidentified funny object story, All I Want for Christmas, from Toasted Cake. Her author website is defconcanwrite.blogspot.com. This fable features kick-ass girl Samurai Kazuko, which first appeared in the anthology Abbreviated Epics. For more from Third Flatiron, check out our website at thirdflatiron.com and subscribe to our feed. And now, here's Blade Between Oni and Hare, read by Marie Boyko. Blade Between Oni and Hare. Three days. Three days on a damn dead squid. Sun crisping her exposed skin while the rest of her was soaked to the bone. Tired of looking at the endless ocean. Tired of holding her katana over her head. Tired of her growling stomach and thirsty throat. Damn that Umi Bozu had nothing better to do than to go shipwrecking. Oh, sure, the sailors whined and begged on the deck while she had the brains to grab her things and jump off, before the umibozu's snaky limbs came crashing down. But it wasn't the umibozu they had to worry about in the deep waters. The ship's sinking had stirred creatures from the bottom of the ocean, and they bubbled up, mouths wide and full of razor teeth. Yet it was the squid's misfortune to pick on a samurai, well, a rogue samurai, so she had to give credit to her chest eye, which saw the squid underwater as clear as a sunny day on land. As far as Kazuko could tell, she was the only survivor. The scar tissue around the fist-sized chest eye scrunched up every time spray hit it. She felt the eye strain its sight, searching for a speck of land. It was hopeless. She drained her gourd of its last drops, irritating her thirst more than satisfying it, and tossed it into the ocean. How long till dehydration fully set in before she became delirious enough to drown herself? The squid corpse dipped a little, jerked in a steady direction. Something probably had snagged one of the tentacles. The eye withdrew deeper into her chest like it had when the umibozu attacked, which made her nervous. She didn't have the strength to fight off another abominable creature from the depths. Kazuko clutched her katana, hands tense and wanting a fight. The jerking became a strong pull, waters swirling around her, a maelstrom. Sucked down, down into the whirlpool's mouth, spinning faster and faster, head blind, nauseous. All she could do was dig her fingers into squid flesh, anchoring herself, and pray. Though she knew the gods had abandoned her long ago, she had hoped that her end wouldn't be a watery grave. The squid corpse rocked, lost momentum, Walls of water collapsed, briefly submerged her, spat her back onto the ocean surface. While her own eyes squeezed shut, the eye saw an island. The current pushed them toward it, an island populated by trees and scrubs, not a single hut on the coast. As soon as Kazuko touched sand, she tumbled off and dry heaved. She scraped soggy bangs out of her face and crawled up the beach to collapse on dry sand. No, she resisted rest, not yet. Her sword came first. It took a full minute to stand. Her legs badly wanted to give out. With all this vegetation, there had to be fresh water somewhere. 
The blade needed a good rinse before corrosion set in. She had slept with a swordsmith, one of the best in Kyoto, and had threatened to tell his wife for this sword. Doubtful she could get away with that again. Not with the eye, not now, so she had to take every care to maintain the blade. She trudged into the thicket of trees, shade relieving her of the sun's harsh rays. Vines dripped from the branches, slick with sap, and clung to her clothing. She ripped one from her shoulder, stirring the branches above. A series of snaps, sploosh, splattered onto her. A melon lay broken at her feet, bright orange on the outside, blood red on the inside. What kind of melon was this? And for that matter, when did melons grow on trees? Black seeds squirmed in the pulp, her stomach clenched. She didn't trust her food unless it was dead still. She kicked the shards aside and moved on, listening for the trickle of water. A stream was nearby, small, shallow, crowded by grass. The stones of the stream bed appeared too perfectly set, as though arranged that way. But she pushed the idea away, unsheathed her katana, and rinsed it. She used a fistful of grass to wipe it dry, then repeated the process with the kaiken hidden in the sash of her kimono jacket. She took a long gulp, oh, so sweet on her parched throat, before exhaustion finally took her. Rustling, soft pause, a flash of white. The eye swiveled, lens stretched wide. A white hair was digging, a mere two steps from her unconscious body. Her brain lurched out of slumber. Her limbs were heavy, slow to move. The hair was still there, still digging. First the odd melon fruit, now a white hair? Her stomach groaned, and suddenly the color wasn't important, only what it might taste like. She lunged for the hair. It dashed out of reach by a fraction of a second. It hopped ahead, but not out of sight, as though waiting for her, leading her. Her hunger-addled mind spurred her into a chase. She threw whatever rocks came to hand, found a stick long enough to stab with, but even with the eye's precision, she couldn't land a killing blow. It was like the damn thing could predict her movements. And even when she stumbled, it would always wait for her to catch up. Something wasn't right. The hare ran straight into a cave. Ha! It was trapped. It was a dumb little animal, after all. The eye didn't see anything within the cave's pitch blackness, so she entered, scraping through the narrow passage. Gooey threads slapped her face. She tore the goo away, found it wrapped around her hands. Ick! If she didn't know better, she'd say it was. Chit, chit, chit! Everything in her tensed. The chit came from above. From outside, the cave hadn't appeared large, but now the roof seemed high above the narrow space. Feeling less bold without her sword in her hand, she backed out. The wind was knocked from her, followed by a high-pitched hiss. Movement in the dark, the eye only catching outlines. A giant spider leg impaled to the ground, barely missing her foot. Another swipe, and its leg bristles snagged on her clothing. She wrenched away, tumbling over herself and into the sunlight. She scooted back, away from the cave's mouth. She glimpsed a silhouette, a human head and torso stuck onto a spider's thorax. It withdrew into the cave, out of sight. Ama, Terasu's light, what was that? Kazuko ripped the spider web from her hands. And was that? Her throat tightened. Blood? She picked at her trousers. No, just dried melon pulp. She flopped back, sighing stupid to venture where she couldn't use her sword. To add insult to injury, the white hare hopped out of the cave as if nothing was amiss. 
Too tired to go hunting for a nuisance of a hare, Kazuko settled for the odd melon. It was that or a three-day dead squid. She made a fire for the coming night, though it took a lot of kindling for the wood to finally catch. Strange wood, too. It burned more like coal and smelled of cherries and spices from foreign lands. She scraped the seeds into the fire, took a bite of melon. Watery, but not much flavor. The hare was still there, watching her. Just inside the eye's field of view. She tried not to think about it, the furry bastard, though she would love to see it roasting on a spit. In the morning, she set about collecting branches for a raft. The hare was, of course, there, keeping its distance. It won't work, said a chirpy voice. She nearly dropped her bundle, looked around for the source. Here, down here, I believe you wanted to eat me yesterday. The hare hopped onto a boulder to make itself more apparent. Damn it, she knew there was something wrong with that melon. Should have never eaten it. You can't really be talking, she muttered. The hare stood on its hind legs. Why not? Because you're a hare? Well, not just any hare. I'm a guardian of this island. Well, guardian, she said bitterly. Why won't what work? It's obvious you're attempting to build a raft. But I'm afraid wood doesn't float here. We'll see. Kazuko took an old log and marched with it toward the sea with the hare following. At the beach, she tossed it into the waves and watched it sink like a stone. The wood is much too dense, the hare explained. She bit back a few choice words for the hare. Fine, then how am I supposed to get off this island? The hare moved close to the water, just out of reach of the waves, and thumped one hind leg on the sand, awfully loud coming from such a small creature. Moments later, a scaly log popped up in the water. No, wait, it was a crocodile. I'm friends with the crocodile, the hare said. I can summon many to give you passage to the mainland. There was something unsaid in the hare's words. Guardian or not, everyone had a price. What do you want in return? The hare looked up at her, nose twitching. You have the reflexes of a warrior. So, warrior, I ask this favor. Kill the oni. I haven't seen an oni here. Not yet, but I assure you he exists. In the deepest part of the island, he is a plague, and he is ruining the peace of this place. She folded her arms, glanced over her shoulder in the direction of the cave. I would think you'd rather have that spider creature removed. No, do not touch Shukujo Jorogumo. She's of no importance to you. Kill the oni and nothing more. She'd made it mad. The little hair was standing tall, neck outstretched, chest puffed out. Rather amusing. All right, I'll do it. Excellent. The hair returned to its unruffled state. I'll show you the way. They walked along the stream as it wound into the heart of the island. The stream widened in areas where the earth was barren, uprooted trees leaving deep depressions. A crash, followed by a thunderous thump. Both Kazuko and the hare hid behind a large boulder. She put a hand on the hilt of her sword, peeked over the boulder. A red-skinned oni, twice the size of a hut, carried an armful of stones and dumped them by the stream. He plopped down, shaking the surrounding trees, and started arranging the stones. Doesn't look like a plague to me, she whispered. Well, he is, the hare squeaked, and if you don't kill him, you'll never get off this island. There the hare went, getting all huffy-puffy again. She gave him a sardonic smile. He said I would do it. Don't worry. 
Admittedly, slaying Oni wasn't her specialty, but that just meant she had to get creative. Kazuko chopped down lengths of vines, tied the ends around adjacent trees. The hare had hopped off, not interested in how she handled the only, only that she did it. With the brush hiding the traps, all she needed was the oni's attention. She threw a rock at the oni's head. Hey, you yokai bastard! The oni scowled, tusks jutting out. He yanked a tree out of the ground, swung it for good measure, came for her as she retreated. Snap, snap! The oni fell face first, the impact shaking the ground. She stumbled, caught her footing, and moved ahead to the next trap. Leaves, branches, twigs rushed at her, shoved her back into a tree. Splinters flew all around. Pain speared up her spine to coalesce into brief head blindness. She moved where the eye guided her, narrowly missing an entire tree as the oni struck the one behind her. She slashed at vines. A jagged rock swung down, smacking the oni square between the eyes. He roared, wild black hair standing on end. Oh, she had him now or so she thought, before the vines seized her. The whole world went upside down, legs bound, sword tip dragging on the ground. Gods, she hated magic forests. The oni reached with a hand large enough to squeeze a cow, quick stab, and he was howling in pain. Why would you do that, you stupid human thing? The oni said through gritted teeth. She took the opportunity to cut herself down, consequently plowing her head into the ground, the Oni chuckled as she rubbed the bump on her noggin. Human thing, she spat back. I've never seen a human with an eye in their chest. A demon gave it to me, she pulled the jacket over the eye. She wasn't a thing, she was human, with some extra abilities. The Oni sat on his haunches and leaned forward. Interesting. So why have you come to hurt me? It was a favor for a hare. A white one? Why would you listen to a hare? I, she frowned, honestly don't know. It promised passage off this island if I killed you. The Oni snorted. That was my brother, not a hare. He's tried this before, but with no success. Obviously, she muttered. The Oni glared at her, but went on. He thinks with me dead, he'll have a chance with Shukujo Jirogamo. What do you mean? She's my lover. Kazuko almost gagged at that. She stood. Sword held low, but ready if she needed it. Look, I have no interest in your little love triangle, but I need a way off this island. Can you provide passage to the mainland? The Oni shook his head, her hand tensed on her sword. But if you slay me, he said, Shukujo Jorogamo will not let you off this island alive. That certainly put the situation into a conundrum. Either kill the Oni and risk the wrath of Shukujo Jorogamo, or stay on this forsaken island. Or she looked up at the melons sprouting from the treetops. You did it! The hare hopped onto the still chest of the oni. Sticky blood coated the oni's front. The hare stood on its hind legs and started dancing a jig. It suddenly shed its fur, revealing blackened skin. Its long ears turned into yellow-stained horns. A guardian, huh? She folded her arms, frowning at the imp. He looked up at her with the same hair eyes, but they were cold, not like a hair's mild expression at all. I find people are more cooperative with a hair than a demon. His gaze fell upon her chest eye. Though I suppose with a soul as black as yours, that wasn't necessary. But wasn't it fun? Her chest eye rolled, exasperated, she thought. Oh yes, always fun to do someone else's bidding, like I'm a damn servant. 
Now for your side of the bargain, she gestured east toward the mainland. On the beach, the imp did his thump summon, and a row of crocodiles bobbed to the surface, all lined up. Cautiously, she stepped onto the first one, ready to jump off if she had to. The crocodile didn't seem to mind or even notice. Well, go on now. I want to be alone with my new bride. She hid her smile, moved to the next croc, and the next. It was like walking on stepping stones. The crocs behind her moved up to continue the path one by one. It would be a long walk to the mainland. All the better, for in the distance behind her, she heard the oni's roar and the imp's unhappy squeaks. Thanks for listening to this podcast from thirdflatiron.com. Original music by Disco Volante. Sound production was by Andrew Cairns.